Snake Farm on RTHK Radio 3 with This Train That I Ride. Nine minutes past two o'clock, you're listening to The 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer. Andrew Dembina joins us on the line right now. How are you doing, Andrew? Hey, good, thanks. How are you, Noreen? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for joining us for this week's Tuesday uh, Reports. You've, you've chomp, sent, chomp. You sent over uh, one picture, an, an odd picture. Um, are we starting with that, or have you yeah. got other things you want yeah. to start off with? Yeah, yeah, let's start with the oddity. How would you describe it, Noreen? <laughs> Let me just quickly go back onto the Facebook page. By the okay. way, listeners, I did upload it on Facebook, so you'll be able to enjoy it there. Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3. Um, Andrew sent me... Uh, so it's in a, chi- in a in a Chinese restaurant. I think it looks like mm. a, ch- a Chinese bank banquet uh, restaurant, and then it looks like a, a cat robot. Exactly, you've got it in one. <laughs> and we've, we've we've talked about automated staff before in the past for oh. different um, yeah in different restaurants. We mentioned it how there was in Shenzhen area there was a restaurant that had a new show window for where there might have been chefs before, how you'd have behind glass people making dumplings or noodles or things like that or whatever they're making. But instead, it was a, uh, it was a kind of automated robot that didn't look like a, a person whatsoever, but it did have a kind of hinged, almost elbow-like joint where it did things such as mix food and move things from A to B, etc. But in this case, as Noreen, just, you just described, um, very, uh, very much in the shape of a cat's head. Underneath that are tiered trays, basically. Now, also in South Korea, um, I've mentioned in this segment of the program uh, before, and it may have been while you were on maternity leave with Sadia, that there was a restaurant that had this kind of remote serving or guided serving for table orders that were input, and it would then take things around a, a roster of tables. This is a dim sum restaurant, though, not in Asia, not in our part of the world, but in New York, New York City. And it's, um, that, that's, that's where it is. And that robots are dis, uh, descending into dim sum restaurants. There's a couple of restaurants. I've only sent uh, you, Noreen, a picture of, of, of one. But it's a specific type of restaurant that seems to have gone down well. I don't know, because there's no paw lifted up in a lucky cat gesture, whether it has anything to do with the connotations of that or whether it's just that cats are a bit cute. Yeah. Very cute uh, indeed. So how does it work? So there are tears, uh, presumably, where you put trays of food. Exactly. Um, But you still have to to put the trays yourself, so you're hardly being waited upon. Well, you're... You're, yeah, I mean, what, what, what you're saving on restaurant management-wise is the waiting staff because they're going, they're being plated up in the kitchen, uh, then put on dishes, uh, 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 trays will, will contain dishes per table, and then there's a tier system, and then by, by remote control or probably preset buttons for what the table numbers are, the cat robots will go around to certain tables, and when it gets to that table, the tray... Um, the shelf automatically slides out, which is uh, there are sensors on the table um, and when it gets there, it stops and the tray will slide slide out automatically and the people help themselves. I mean, it's a DIY thing in a way, but it's, it's seen as fun. It's seen as fun right now. Maybe when this has been around for a few years, people will think, well, actually, I quite like speaking to a 
a, a member of staff. What happens if I get served the wrong thing or if there's a fly in my soup? Or something like that. Exactly. Know, who, who am I you going know, to complain to? It's so nice to just ask, oh, what do you recommend? Or, the, you know, this looks nice, that looks nice. You know, what would yeah. you recommend? Exactly. Mr. What Robot the robot's going to say? What's the <laughs> robot going to say? A mouse. A field mouse. <laughs> you know, or no, no, but it's, it, there's no human interaction with that. However, I think people are smiling at it. I've been reading a couple of articles. It's a big thing in New York, and it debuted in a trade show in Las Vegas, this particular brand, in 2020. And they have just started showing up from late last year, but it's become a thing in Chinese restaurants in New York now, um, particularly for dim sum. It seems to be, they, they seem to think it pairs well with that. The cost of a robot, should you be wondering, is 16,000 US dollars each. So that is around a um, uh, hundred thousand or so Hong Kong dollars, and they are given floor plans. They're programmed. You know, they're all set up by the distributor of these robots, who will input the floor plan and the table numbers, etc., so that there can be a minimisation of um, you know of mistakes of things going to the wrong tables. They're also programmed to have sensors to dodge things that are in their way somebody gets up from a table and wants to go to the washroom or to oh, or to cool. ask a real person for, the, for a bit of advice about the food um then they will dodge people and they will stop um they if they get too close they will stop completely if something is uh so many meters away then they will they will they will change their course and to, to, to go around what seems to be an obstacle um, so Ooh, they, they should also, also add a vacuum yeah. cleaning function to it so that, you know, yeah. after hours, those robots mm. can vacuum clean and during office hours, um, well, they can serve the food as well as well, air purify the air so they can... Great minds think alike, Noreen, <laughs> because I was thinking they look a bit like a vacuum cleaner, yeah, the, disc, the disc area. No, I was also thinking it would be great if they just did that, uh, if it's not too noisy, if they did it, if there was a kind of like a very silentish version of not too strong a vacuum they could just do that while they're going around keep things nice and clean um but they they also um because they have this cat face at the top of them which uh noreen and i have described which is on a a sort of a screen really there are some movements that go on uh facial features because it's a display screen it's an oval screen that looks a bit like a tablet probably is um with ears above it and so you get blinking of the eyes sometimes. And they can also be programmed to sing Happy Birthday, which, uh, would, be <laughs> rather, which would be rather weird. Well, um, sometimes but, waiters do that, right? You see in, in Hollywood movies, the waiters come along and sing Happy Birthday. So, in, Hollywood, in Hollywood movies, it happens here in our very own Hong Kong in some restaurants. If you're, oh, I yeah, mean, it depends. Of course, not not yeah. in dim sum restaurants. Yeah, not in dim sum restaurants. Not in your average dim sum restaurant, that's to be said, but, but in, in some restaurants I can attest to that um, occasionally. When I, it does, it does, it's usually a little bit of a splurge restaurant, truth be told, though. Um, so that is the first item. And uh, moving on to something else which was reported in the US but happened in the UK. Um, it was the annual unveiling and this is how, how we know how fast the years go by, because doesn't it seem only like a few weeks ago, Noreen, that we were talking about the world's best 50 best restaurant list? You know, it comes around every year. Yeah. It's one of two things. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there's an Asian edition, as we've spoken about before as well, and a Latin American one. But the world's one, which includes restaurants from Latin America and Asia, is the list that every 
top restaurant wants to get onto. And from an, an a, a America-based magazine, Bon Appetit, um, just over a week ago, which was um, when the results came out, there, there was a very interesting list. I mean, we've spoken about a few things. We're not always speaking about these big world-famous guides as being an authority that they have claimed to be. I think um, we've also mentioned that as people have food blogs and people or Instagram or other social media accounts which um, upon which they proclaim to be critics, I, don't, I shouldn't say that in a negative way, I don't mean to, that people just enjoy giving their opinion about food and drink, and that's great. So the world of guides, I think, has become much more under scrutiny. And this article from Bon Appetit magazine, which came out last week, was very much in the critical vein. Um, uh, the, the writer, whose name is Adam Reiner, um, proposes that the 50 best list looks like a food media's rich, out-of-touch uncle. So that's what he's calling it, mm. saying, basically, I think from, from, from that, I mean, I'll tell you what he goes on to mean, but from that we can instantly glean that it is, of course, about top glitzy restaurants. Well, we know that. That's the same as the Michelin Guide. And the, these two um, are really those top-end ones that the higher-end, for most people, very occasional um, uh, splurges, are restaurants which, um, which, which are going to be featured in there. That's for sure. But the, it, it's, the company that runs it is based in London. They started the world's uh, 50 best restaurants. And incidentally, just to remind or to tell people who haven't heard us talk about this before... The list of 50 comes out first of all, and then about a week or so later, 50 numbers 50 to 100 come out too. And you can look these up on World's 50 Best Restaurants to have a look and see what was in there. But I'm going to tell you a bit about why this magazine and this writer uh, critiqued it so, he so heavily. Um, over half of the top 20 best restaurants out of the 50 list that came out first... Um, um, they're all from um, Europe. Now, Europe, among Western food, especially France, it has to be said, does have a reputation for being the home of gastronomic cooking. However, we're living in a different world today, so a lot of people think that there are great restaurants. We're blessed in normal times to be in a place where there are very world-class restaurants uh, operating, Many of them sadly have gone in the last few years. But it is a place that when we get back on track, I'm sure we'll continue to have some of the best. And in normal times, some of the world's best chefs are attracted to come here. And people who are on holiday will mark down, as they do in other European or other places, American, wherever parts of the world, a list, a hit list of great restaurants to go to. So, yes. It is a bit surprising that 20 of the top 50 were in Europe. Um, the number one restaurant was in Denmark, and that has been Denmark? the case. Denmark? Yeah, bizarrely, that's been the case. Oh. It's a new number one, um, a restaurant called Geranium. Um, but there's been another Danish restaurant that's called Noma that has been the number one restaurant for the last two or three years. So Denmark has been topping the charts. What become... cuisine does it serve? Well, let me, let, let me say, the one that has been there for a few years, Noma, was uh, a typical foodie type of restaurant. It was a place, it was what people loosely refer to as a destination restaurant. So it was in the woods, not in a town or a, or a city. It was a place that was difficult to get to in Denmark. 
It's the sort of place that very highly produced Netflix food documentaries <laughs> love. <laughs> because, because it's... Um, so um, and um, you know I'll just continue that to say that there was a there was a um, before it became a, a, a top 50 restaurants of the world and Michelin high highly starred restaurant um, it did have its own dedicated program in in the series um, Chef's Table on Netflix which is a beautifully made I mean they've they've set, I've got to say I know we don't we're not this is not said to promote them whatsoever but it's always good when a certain production company wherever it's from pushes boundaries in making things very very well that uh, that lifts raises the bar lifts the standard of other food documentaries telling a story brilliantly anyway noma was in that and it it, it was using a lot of foraged food so it would grow some of the, the its own vegetables and herbs in the gardens of the restaurant and they were in the middle of nowhere so they had plenty of gardens but they would also take very unusual mushrooms and vegetables that people hadn't really heard of or weren't particularly familiar with outside of Denmark that were growing on the forest on the forest floor or plants that were grown just outside of the forest um, and it was used there was a lot of game as well that was um, you know wild game uh, was was also in the, in the in the menu there so it's um, it, and and the geranium restaurant um, is using um, uh, also locally sourced ingredients. It's a similar mould in a way. Um, back to the writer's criticism, Adam Rayner uh, um, in Bon Appetit magazine, he says that um, likening the top restaurants as the opinion of a rich uncle, that the rich uncle would be someone who's not afraid to empty his bank account at expensive restaurants that he reads about and to drink Screaming Eagle. Now, this is an American publication. So outside of America, I've got to say, actually, Bon Appetit is a food and drink magazine, but not everyone's going to know what Screaming Eagle wine is. I've heard of it because I've written and researched a bit about wine. It's a Napa Valley wine, which is hugely expensive, and some people say over-elevated um, in its cult status because there's not much of it made, and it really it goes for, for several hundred US dollars a bottle. So... It's, um, so, in other words, very showy restaurants are what um, this, this writer is saying. The restaurant that won in, was in Copenhagen. So that's, um, you know, not out in the forest. That's geranium. But it did still use, you know, it's not a heavily populated country, Denmark. So it did use a lot of local produce that was still from around its vicinity. And it, charged, um, it charges 437 US dollars per person for a set tasting meal. In, in our money, that's 3,300 per person. Now, that is a lot. Um, I mean, it's, it, it is comparable to some five-star hotel restaurants that do a very, very top um, tasting menu in Hong Kong. But even then, this is still priced pretty much above that. So the question really is, are these, are these guides and lists relevant to the wider diner, to wider people? Um, it, it shouldn't be some sort of um, a, a socialist dictate on whether it should be done or not. It's, it, it is relevant. I suppose people, like with many um, things in, in, in life, material things, that people can aspire to eat in certain restaurants like the ones mentioned here. And if people read through the list, 
they can then see how creative a team that is very well funded and very well staffed, not by robots, I should add, in kitchens <laughs> of, uh, you know, of tens of people, that they are able to make amazing creative food that most restaurants or people at home would never consider or have time to even do. And it's for that experience that people go to these restaurants. Um, there was, there was um, again, in the um, top uh, 50 then, um, at number 20, the first one, so it was actually in the top 20, the writer had said nothing in the top 20, but at number 20, there was a Tokyo restaurant called Den. That was the first one from Asia appearing in the top 50. And um, his comment was that it's ironic that there was... Uh, that there are not more Japanese restaurants because a lot of Western cuisine in the in recent years owes a lot to Japanese dining in the way of presentation. And um, there was also nothing from India at all um, and nothing from the African uh, continent. Sorry, there was one from Africa in Cape Town in South Africa, but not from other African countries. So um, that was the, those are the criticisms there. I think you've got the picture. I won't uh, continue because it's basically about about elitism. The other thing that he didn't mention, but we have before, is that there was a female chef award. And, you know, we've asked this oh, question yeah. many times over the past about whether whether people should be judged on the same level or not. True, there are fewer female chefs helming, you know, the kitchen in a restaurant. However, I bet that some of them would like to be judged on an equal playing field um, as their male counterparts. So, yes. that's that. Uh, um, moving on to something a bit more local. Food Panda, you might have heard this story last week um, in Hong Kong, was urged to improve its insurance coverage. Um, a, an unfortunate thing happened with a driver, 59-year-old, mm. on a motorbike who was on his way to work, and he collided with a double-decker bus and he died. And he yeah. got no payout from the company's insurance because he was not on duty yet. And um, that is quite common. I've had work insurance before at different publications that I've worked. And I noticed I didn't, I'm not one to read the fine print in, in, any, any, in any kind of contracts or uh, insurance, probably should do more carefully. But I did notice that it was coverage for things, accidents that happened during work time. That's quite common. So the, um, it did cause quite a debate, not least of all from Food Panda staff and the relatives of the deceased. Because uh, he was on about, his way to work. Yeah, yeah, he was on his way to work, so he hadn't clocked on yet. And although Food Panda, the delivery service, was very... Um, uh, felt terrible about what happened and tried to console the family, they offered a, a certain amount which was did seem pitifully low, I've got to say, at first, 10,000 Hong Kong dollars as a consolation payment, which it later raised to 75,000 Hong Kong dollars. It's not, though, it has to be said, supposed to be, by law, paying anything. But, you know, it is. we, we do live in a world where human um, feelings or, you know, whether it's a company or individuals do come into play. That's what they decided to do. But the workers... Um, and family gave a petition to this company and asked it to extend its insurance coverage to try and get a policy which does allow uh, workers to be covered on their way to or on the way on the way back from work because they are using their own vehicles which are part of their 
um, uh, you know, their work tools. So they're bringing their work tools to work. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you think about. What do you think about that, Laurie? Yeah, I think, yeah, personally, I think it, it should be covered because you're on your way to work. You, you know, you're mm. not doing anything else. It's just so sad. Yeah. Um, it is very sad. Uh, it, but, I, but I tell you, I know, I know for sure that it applies to other uh, work insurances that, I, that I've seen. Which they, they, I, perhaps there should be an exception for, for work that it requires you to bring your own vehicle. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then the very last thing I want to mention, I know we're nearly at the news time, so I'll say it very quickly, is that Indonesia, food prices, food inflation has just gone up year on year um, over, well, around 11.5% for the month of July. And this is colossal for the people of that country who are not, um, on average, very high-income earners. And this is because of unusual weather and that um, food items like red chilli and cooking oil and shallots have really suffered under unusual weather conditions with, um, with heavy rain and other um, parched um, sunshine affecting them badly. So going to leave that there because I think we're about yes, done we're on out time. Of time. Yeah, well, Andrew, thank you so much for, for, for your chin, uh, not chin, <laughs> Tuesday report uh, this week. Thank you. And you'll be back sure. again next week on Tuesday. Thank you very yeah. much indeed, Andrew Dembina. And a, okay. quick, and a quick look at the weather forecast for this afternoon.